And I think some of these school districts, you know, some are more responsible in their, in their spending than others. But even responsible spending school districts are saying the math doesn't work for us. I don't know why. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Eight twelve on Wisconsin's Morning News. This story is so much bigger than Kenosha. Eric, I think we are on the front end of a term that was used, thrown around for County of Milwaukee, City of Milwaukee, the looming fiscal cliff, or the parks budget, if you talk about it, there's a fiscal cliff, there's a reckoning coming. And I think what's happening in Kenosha is an alarm bell. Oh, don't say that. Because I think the, this type of reckoning may be coming to many school districts across the state. And this morning, right now, I can't figure out why. So let's talk about Kenosha first, then broaden it out how this may be affecting your school district and whether or not you have kids in the district. This is about finances. So everybody pays into the public school system. So whether you got kids there or not, this could be coming home to you. Parents rallying in Kenosha Tuesday night. They were trying to stop the district from closing schools. That cheer there saved Ruther. Ruther Central High School was on the chopping block. They did save Ruther. Well, that's about all they saved mm-hmm. in terms of the number of schools that were proposed to close in Kenosha. Many others will. As superintendent, I'd love to talk about how we're expanding programs and opportunities for our students and families. But that's not our situation today. That's Jeff Weiss, superintendent of Kenosha Unified School District. TMJ4 News was at the meeting. Said it was a two-hour hearing. They let a lot of people get up and talk. About 50 people stood up, took the mic, after which the board did vote to close. Five elementary schools and a middle school. Ruther survives, but they'll cut some staff there. and move some other things around. But this goes way beyond Kenosha. And You and I have talked about this. I was hearing from people who are either on school boards or connected to school boards, other people in areas of government from varying communities here in southeast Wisconsin. I had a really interesting guy, guy conversation with a guy who had run for school board. He didn't win, but he was telling me, hey, you guys got to get out in front of this. School districts are facing this sort of, he didn't, my words, not his, but a looming fiscal cliff here. And I asked him, like, how can that be? And I asked, how can that be? Because didn't we just celebrate the quote-unquote historic investment yes. in our education here Shared in state? revenue. Every community across the state of Wisconsin was going to get a little piece. Every school district was going to get some help. Widely celebrated both sides of the aisle. So, Governor Evers, here's uh, the governor talking about this in June. Two weeks ago, I reached agreement with Republican leaders on major prov- provisions of a shared revenue compromise, key portions of which I'm signing into law today. That will mean not only historic increases in support for our local communities, but historic investments in our kids and our schools across Wisconsin. Is it hot enough? (laughs) Unrelated. So that was Governor Tony Evers earlier this year as the biennial state budget, two-year budget cycle for the state of Wisconsin, was signed into law. The governor even added a line-item veto that made some of the funding improvements for public schools like permanent, right? It was a per pupil funding um, adjustment of hundreds of dollars per pupil each year that could continue to go up. And the governor used his line item veto to make sure that that happened essentially in perpetuity. 
So every year you'll have per people spending going up in Wisconsin. So in this from case, the state. what was it in Kenosha projected $15 million shortfall, a deficit of about $15 million. They're going to shut down these schools, and that's not even going to save them all of that money. It'd be about half, about $8 million worth. So my question is, without regard for the partisan divides on funding matters and public schools versus whatever, I don't understand the math. How did we, you know, how was last year everything fine? This year we dump a whole bunch of additional state money into the public education system. And then now we're we're closing schools and not our school. Half a dozen schools in one school district. Now, Kenosha Unified is a big school district, one of the larger ones in the state. But that's six schools. Wauwatosa talking about closing a couple of schools. And these are just the ones that have been begun to publicly discuss it. My guess is these conversations are happening in your school board maybe in quiet right now before they're ready to talk about sounding the alarm bell in your community. See, I always figured there were a lot of issues where it was the other way, where you have some of these congested suburbs where they're running out of space, where you don't have places to put the kids, so you almost need to open up another school. I mean, they did that in Sussex. They built a school because they didn't have a place to put the kids. And that is the case. Now, sometimes it isn't, sometimes it isn't. We have spent billions and billions of dollars in the last two decades on school building projects, referendums, going to referendum, asking the taxpayers right across the state, we want to do this, we want to build a new school, we want to improve the schools, we need to go to the voters because we want to do a 30 or a 50 or a $120 million referendum on facilities. And without regard, again, for whether you thought that was a good idea or bad idea, that Yes, that's happened. In some cases, it's, you know, like Wauwatosa, what was their referendum? 120-some billion dollars, uh, million dollars. I went to school in Wauwatosa. Some of the renovations that they did to those schools, those schools hadn't been touched since I was a kid, hmm. and they were old then. You know, you're talking about 100-year-old schools. So things had to be done. Whether or not it needed to be $120 million, people can debate. Other areas of the state are growing. Some suburban communities are growing. And then other communities are seeing declines in enrollment. So you have that wrestling back and forth yes some communities are wondering where to put people as there's more and more new construction more people are moving there others are wondering what do we do with all the space we got because we overbuilt at one point or another or they're older school districts where people are moving out or maybe people are moving more students into private school well, for a various right. assortment of reasons so i wondered about that Did, when we hear declining enrollment is that kids going to private schools going to choice schools that's that's the difference there little of that little of declining birth rates little of how people move Sure. Are you moving out of places like city of Kenosha, moving out to a school district that's out in the suburbs, moving to different places? Are you moving out of the city of Milwaukee and going to Waukesha County where you might be in a district where things are growing? So no one situation is the same as another. Every one of our communities are different. They're all wrestling with this. But across the board, definitely, I am hearing from multiple school districts, large and small, that they are wrestling with potential deficits in spending and i don't understand why if we just had a quote-unquote historic investment in education well i guess one you know to be the contrarian if there's a school that doesn't have a lot of kids in it yes it's unfortunate for the family to have to get moved i fully understand that and and empathize with that but if it doesn't make quote-unquote business sense to keep an elementary school open why wouldn't Isn't that the efficient thing to do is to move them to another school? Yeah, especially, again, I 
to go back to Wauwatosa. One of the reasons that this is going to be such an issue there is because Tosa is still a walk-to-school community. Was when I was a kid because, man, how many elementary schools? They don't have any there? school buses. Come on. No, they don't do busing. They do not bus students. Well, with the exception student, of, I think, I mean, when I was a kid, 220 program was, was part of our district, and so there was some busing via a school bus. Some of the older students took city bus to, to get to school. There was that, but... No students in district, um, for the most part, took a bus to school. You walked or you got a ride or whatever, but that was a that was a big thing. And so to close the school that's in your neighborhood to maybe make it harder for your kid to walk, if your kid now has to walk across North Avenue sure. where before right. they didn't, or walk across 76th Street where before they didn't to get to that other school that may still be relatively close, like that's a big deal without regard for whether or not they should or shouldn't do it. So... I just don't understand the math. And I do know. I was told two things, and I've been asking around. What I want is a nonpartisan look. I don't want to get in a fight over you know, how the funding came about, who got put the signature on it. I just want to understand the math because we did spend more. And so I was told two things. One, that this has quietly been building for a long time, that school districts uh, have been struggling with their finances for some time. And maybe it was covered up by some COVID money that came in and covered up by a number of different things. But now it's it's ultimately coming to the fore that they're going to have to start dealing with it. And then the other thing is a lot of the historic investment in education did, yes, go to choice schools. And more specifically, voucher schools, which are private schools, but they take public money. So the expansion of that program, big chunk of that investment in our children, quote unquote, was made. And that's going to go outside of your public school district. And then school districts, well, you say, okay, well, you lose a student. So why shouldn't the money travel with that student to that other district? Okay, but that's however much money you're not getting in yours that goes into the pool. And don't forget that pool of gold coins still exists. Surplus money. They're still swimming in that surplus money. It's not completely drained, right? How much do we have left? <laughs> Could be a couple but billion. It's a couple billion. In there. Right. Well, you know the answer. <laughs> the answer will never be all right. Here's a billion <laughs> yeah, more. I know. Right? I know. And then we'll have a news conference I know, on that. I get it. Now it's don't a super text. a super historic <laughs> investment in our children. I just don't get the math, and I'm not blaming anyone. And I think some of these school districts, you know, some are more responsible in their in their spending than others. But even responsible spending school districts are saying the math doesn't work for us. I don't know why. 822 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-five, Wisconsin's Morning News on this Wednesday morning. Good to have you with us. Kenosha Unified School District announced it's closing half a dozen schools, and I think this is the front end of struggles that we're going to see in school districts across the state of Wisconsin. Number of people texting in on the Old National Bank. Talk and text line 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Some asking questions I don't have the answer to. E. Others offering some clarification. <laughs> this one, I don't get the math, even though my only numbers come from vague headlines. There you go. I think that's it. And you know, in in terms of a sell, on how to make something interesting, we even debate it on the program. We try to bring you the news and information that's important to you, but at the same time, you got to think about what's interesting. If you go into these wonky details of school budgeting and per pupil spending and the formula, which district gets this or that, it's boring. Sorry, it's boring. And so it's hard for us in the media, maybe we don't do a good enough job diving into it and finding a way to explain it so people can truly understand. You know, one way to do it is you got to go to some of these school board meetings. 
and I admit that I don't, but you go to the school board meetings and talk to your school board representatives and get them to explain it to you what is happening in your district. And every district is unique. Let's see. A couple of texts here on the old National Bank talk and text line. What happens to the school when it's closed? Well, oftentimes, nothing. I don't know if they've made those decisions yet in Kenosha, what, the, what they're going to do with some of these schools. As of now, they'll officially be closed at the end of the school year, and those kids will move to other schools starting next school season. And ideally, what you'd see, and in, in City of Milwaukee struggle with this, MPS, can you sell that property? Or can you create a lease system? You know, can you create income based on underutilized facilities? MPS seemed reluctant to do that, particularly when they were going to competing entities. That was a whole big old story in and of itself. But uh, what happens to these facilities when they are underutilized or not used anymore? That's up to the school district. From the 262, just remember, gentlemen, we love to make historic investments in the brewers and in the stadium, but I guess we can't make them to schools like you're speaking of. What we, My point was we did. Both sides said it was a historic investment. That was my point. We said it was a historic investment. For the entire state. Right. We said we we did all of those things. Uh, as a building contractor, I had the access to these school expansions. They included cafeterias and gyms, not more rooms or programs teachers. Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily always the case, but I'm it's sure not that- always. I'm sure that's that's true. I mean, you need more expansion for those things as well. I'll tell you this much. We just, you know, my daughter's on cheer, and we just had a big cheer competition at Indian Trail in Kenosha. And all of us, <laughs> this is a Cadillac. I mean, that was a nice-looking facility. Huge, big old field house, all sorts of things like well, our field kids, house. Well, but that's the point, is yeah. people are saying, what did you yeah, spend the money point. on when you went to taxpayers and asked for it? And these things have to be approved. They don't get just, just get to do it. But many communities said, yes, that's important to us. Um, I've got on line 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, let me bring in Jim here from the north side of Milwaukee. Uh, Jim, producer Pancake tells us you're a uh, local superintendent or a former. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was. I've been in years, and I retired a couple of years ago, and I thought, you know what? Here's a real simple way to answer your question is the, the new reading bill, for instance. It's become law. It's a good thing. It, it absolutely is a good thing. But now you have to hire more people. You have to get the curriculum. You have to establish how you're going to teach that with your teachers. And now you have to put that into your existing budget. But even with that historic... Uh, uh, benefit or this historic funding thing, which, of course, is um, difficult for the layperson to understand because, you know, everything costs more now, too. So, of course, you have to spend more money. Um, so, anyway, that's just an example of, call it somewhat of an unfunded mandate that now you have to figure out how to do this with your in your existing budget, and that's been going on for 20 years. You know, Jim, let me ask you this, too, and I really appreciate your insight on it. How do districts reconcile with, you know, people want nice things, and they want nice things for their kids, and as a parent who sits on the bleachers in so many schools across the state, I appreciate when we got a nice facility to go sit there and watch our children do what they do. That said, boy, I remember growing up, like, we didn't have all sorts of nice stuff, and we got a great education. So, you know, how do districts wrestle with that, of wanting those nice things and then balancing the ability to fund those facilities and those programs at that level? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. And, and uh, for instance, when you come to a weekend tournament for uh, youth basketball or volleyball or something like that, the, the facilities, the venues are getting bigger and nicer because parents are uh, being involved in that and therefore they're investing in it. And then the schools then get somewhat of a benefit on that because they're those facilities get improved because that's what parents are asking for, not only for the school district, but for the community activities as well. But then on the flip side, now you have all the extra expenses that go along with now making your facility available on the weekends for wiffle ball tournaments, for, for uh, you know, basketball tournaments, for wrestling matches. And, you know, so now you're, now you have to fund that. And a lot of times, um, that comes out of a, a school district money because you can't keep on charging enough. And the booster clubs want to take some of the money as well um, to to offset your expenses. And so there's a thing called the Fund 80 that school districts can put in money for community use. But then again, you're taxing people for p- people to come in and play a wiffle ball tournament, and that doesn't go over well. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it's yeah, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Jim, really appreciate the perspective I, this I, morning. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for yeah. sharing. Pancake, save his number. Make sure to contact him next time. <laughs> I got various questions right. about how this is all playing out. Um, I'm seeing a couple of texts on this, and you read one earlier, another one. Apparently the economic impact of the Brewers is apparently more important to Milwaukee than well-educated young people who work and pay taxes and probably avoid crime. I don't, I don't see this as you know, mutually exclusive terms or an either or, you know, the state spends, what is our state budget? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 to $100 billion. So, you know, like there are all kinds of projects that get funded one side or another. Maybe you're for expanding forestry or maybe you're not, you know, like, so we can't look at everything and just say, well, we funded this, so why not that? Well, and again, it's not like we didn't fund education. And to the Fieldhouse point earlier, too, right, about where our priorities are. I mean, it goes back to, remember that when Menominee Falls was in the news with the uh, pulling some of those books from the library? That one guy who spoke at the packed house school board meeting said, where were all these parents when the, the data came out that this district has poor reading scores, that no one's reading well in this district? Where was everyone then? No one was there at that point. So our priorities oftentimes get shifted away from Perhaps what is the most important thing? Because that's not the sexy part of of spending. Buildings are shiny and new. Again, as a parent, you too, we sit in a lot of school gyms and a lot of school auditoriums and all those things, and I think you do want nice stuff. I feel like I got a great education in Wauwatosa, and our facilities weren't the same as what I was seeing in other schools. Did you have AC? No, don't think so. Really? I mean, as far as I knew, certainly not at the elementaries, I don't think. I remember, though, but I'll say this, and I mean, kids, kids have their eyes open. They know who's got a nice gym and who doesn't, whatever. Sure. But uh, I would, I would, I would say back in when was I in high school? You know, back in the late '80s, early '90s, our facilities compared to what we saw in some of the other schools and our conferences and things that we saw were inferior to many. It never crossed my mind. I never went into a school and thought. I wasn't proud to be a Wauwatosa East Red Raider, that I wasn't coached by great people, that I wasn't on a great team, that I wasn't part of this great advantage. thing. Like I thought, well, it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. And maybe maybe things have diff- are different now, 
And maybe it's the parents, like, like the superintendent indicated. The parents are driving this. It's my back that's sore if I'm on crummy old bleachers. True. <laughs> and he makes a point, too, the about The kids are standing the whole time. Right. And they don't care. <laughs> 8.34 on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's 8.43 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Want to get to some breaking news right now. On the day that the House is expected to officially open an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, his son Hunter Biden, which is... You know, deeply involved in a lot of the conversations about that is addressing reporters on Capitol Hill right now. Do you have this? Yes. We listen in. Go this live is live. To Washington. Former business partners and misstating personal information that was stolen from me. There is no fairness or decency in what these Republicans are doing. They have lied over and over about every aspect of my personal and professional life. So much so that their lies have become the false facts believed by too many people. No matter how many times it is debunked, they continue to insist that my father's support of Ukraine against Russia is the result of a non-existent bribe. They displayed naked photos of me during an oversight hearing. And they have taken the light of my dad's love, the light of my dad's love for me, and presented it as darkness. They have no shame. These same committee chairmen have engaged in unprecedented political interference in what would have already been a five-year investigation of me. Yet. Here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer. When you said we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. Hunter Biden speaking to reporters before a deposition plan and a vote for an impeachment inquiry in Washington. Doesn't appear he's taking questions. And, and this is you know, uh, personally dubious for him because he faces multiple indictments uh, in regards to his personal finances, accused of not paying taxes, more than a million dollars in unpaid taxes, all of these things. So he has these legal entanglements that continue for him. Uh, so probably why he didn't open himself up to questions, at least by reporters, but apparently is willing to do so at any proceedings today in the U.S. House, as the House is expected to vote on whether or not to pursue an Provided impeachment an inquiry. Open, he yes. says he'll do it in open public hearing, but he wouldn't want to do it behind closed doors. Do we have an indication as to whether or not that's going to play out? Well, we'll see. So. It, did not, it did not appear that way, but time will tell. 846 Wisconsin's Morning News. about 10 minutes before 9 o'clock. Got to get this in as on the heels of Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky's visit to Washington, appealing for increased USAID that uh, he is using to continue to fight war against Russia that Russia has brought on Ukraine. 
The capital city there, Kiev, was bombarded overnight by ballistic missiles. You see some of the video from that? Like, things are on fire. Maybe that's a coincidence. He's out of, Certainly the, not. out of the office and here they're doing that. Yeah. In Washington, saying, hey, we need to keep this going. Blasting Putin publicly. And well, here's what Putin had to say about that. So Congress will continue to debate this. Right now, it's about $60 billion in additional military aid to Ukraine. Now, President Zelensky made personal appeals for that support met with President Biden, also met with members of Congress, both houses, both sides of the aisle. And while some have characterized the effort to push back the Russians in Ukraine as not going particularly well, Zelensky shared this message at a news conference Tuesday afternoon. No matter what Putin tries, he hasn't won any victories. Thanks to Ukraine's success, success in defense, other European nations are safe from the Russian aggression, unlike in the past. Ukraine can now tackle the Russian dictatorship. So our children and other nations won't have to shed their blood and sacrifice lives defending against Russian aggression. A couple of things to take away from that part of his statement. He was reading from prepared remarks in English where Zelensky is still a very effective communicator. Right, a passionate speaker. Don't you hang on his every word? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, he had these remarks, and he, two takeaways I had from that. First of all, what he's saying is, actually, we are having success. We actually did push them back from their furthest advances. And no, the war's not over. No, we didn't win. No, they're not back over the border completely. But there is success here. So let's not forget that. And then the other thing that he always does so well is he, he knows he can't come to the U.S. and to other NATO nations and whatever and just have a hat in hand for Ukraine. He always has to make it about the broader global implications of Russian aggression. And he did that pretty effectively in just that one clip. So then they took some questions. It's President Biden and President Zelensky. They each have a podium. Uh, Just a few questions were taken from the Washington media and folks who were there. Zelensky was asked about these discussions, and we've talked about it on the show, of a brokered peace. In fact, talked about it yesterday of like, well, I'm not sure if continuing to sustain a conflict that is mired in stalemate. So ultimately, if, uh, if some kind of brokered peace deal is going to happen anyway, why not do it now instead of in two years when you can save lives and just allow, quote-unquote, Russia to take a piece of their land? Yes. and In well, order to save lives. Well-minded and well-intentioned people uh, have debated what is truly right for the Ukrainian people, what is right for the world in terms of, of that. Should we continue to allow right? If, if all we do is keep doing this... Thousands more people die, and where where are we getting? So this idea of a brokered peace that maybe Ukraine would give up some territory to Russia to end this, I thought he gave a fascinating answer to put it back on all of us. He delivered these remarks in Ukrainian, so you'll hear the voice of a translator here, so it loses its punch. But President Zelensky was clear. This is not clinical to him. It's not about lines on a map like it looks like to us. It's not about territory. It's about people. We have our people there, we have our families there, we have children there. That's part of Ukrainian society, and we are talking about human beings. They are being under tortures, they are being raped, and they are being killed. And those voices which offers to give up our territories, they offers as well to give up our people. That's not a matter of territory, that's a matter of lives, of families, of children, of their histories. I don't know whose idea it is, but I have a question to these people if they are ready to give up their children to terrorists. I think no. How about that last line? 
Are you ready to give up your children to terrorists? I think no. So I was trying to think of a comp. So say Canada was hostile toward us and took Minnesota. Okay. And we fought back and fought back and fought back and lives were lost and money was spent. Yet they still had Minnesota. At what point do we say, you know what? Okay. Let's, look, let's just end this. You guys right. can have Minnesota because we don't want to continue to fight, to lose lives, to spend money, et cetera, et cetera. And, and his point is, like, who's in Minnesota? I, I have family right, in yeah, Minnesota. Of course. I have friends there, too. We have Americans in Minnesota. And would you be willing to, because they're now part of that other line, to just say, okay, yeah, sorry, folks. Like, you're no longer part of America, and we're not willing to fight for you anymore. Like, so I, I and think... And Zelensky said there's no way you would do that. There's no, no way you'd ever say, okay, sorry. And I think that's so important because I admit to myself, having looked at it as territory... Right. Right. What about this? Why can't we just move this? Okay, they got this. Let's give them that and then back them off and whatever. And he's saying it's not about the land. It's about the people who live there. They're our people. So you're asking me to just say, yeah, that's fine. Those men, those women, those children are now part of Russia. They're in the hands of these terrorists who came in and took took this by force. Can't do it. What did he say? I think, I think no. no. 855, Wisconsin's Morning News. Debbie, what's happening on the roads here? Still a bit backed up southbound 43, basically from Silver Spring all the way down through that construction zone just past Capitol Drive. Doesn't really start to let up till you get past Burleigh. Northbound's slowing down still a bit from North Avenue up to Keefe. And just a couple of pockets of heavy traffic on 43, I'm sorry, 94 eastbound, heading right through the stadium interchange proper. I'm Debbie Lazaga with your WTMJ Johnson & Sons Paving Time Saver Traffic. Traffic is sponsored by Harwood Place Senior Living. Learn more about Harwood Place Retirement Living's newly renovated apartments and updated pricing options. Visit harwoodplace.org or call to schedule a tour. Yeah, yeah, they got the best of us in Vegas. But now they're in our house. Here's Giannis driving through the lane, lays it in with a foul. Oh, that quick first step from the great break. It's the Bucks and the Pacers tonight. Our Bucks Radio Network game day coverage starts tonight at 6.30. Drives inside, scoops to the hoop, and lays it in with that long arm extension with the right hand. We are the home of the Bucks. WTMJ. Vince Vetrano for Great Lakes Landscape. Eric, you know I'm crazy about my yard. Yes. And and one of the reasons I am is I enjoy doing it. Sure, of course. I like mowing my lawn. But even at that, you know, I don't like cleaning out flower beds or raking leaves. Like, that's not fun. It's not as therapeutic. It's not. So I like what I like. So this fall, I got some help with the stuff that I don't like so much. We recruited a great partner here with us at WTMJ. It's Great Lakes Landscape. Ryan over there had this whole team of dudes out at my house for the fall cleanup. Obviously, we're past that point, but the thing, it looks great. Shrubs and flower beds all cut down. They're tightened up for winter. They're ready to pop back up strong in spring. And the offset, President Zelensky on our left and President Biden on our right. Sounds like a roaring fire. It sure was. <laughs> it that was, fire. It was going. I mean... Look like a Wee Energy's power plant fire. <laughs> Somebody was uh, over, uh, over at, rambunctious. At the fire point, was robust. At one point, I was legitimately concerned whether someone's going to catch fire. W- w- whether or not the president could handle still sitting that close because it was hot. <laughs> it it was had to have been the heat had to have been just blowing from that thing. You're talking to the guy who last night on uh, Amazon Prime. I watched the fireplace <laughs> screen. They had the the moving video of a fire yeah. for like an hour. 
You did not. It is. It's got the sound. It's got the. Yeah. It looks just like my fireplace. It was very relaxing. That's why I'm such a calm mood. So you today. actually watched it. Well, I was kind of reading, but it was in the background. Oh, okay, very nice. It's, it, I've done anybody that who's got Amazon. I think it was Amazon Prime. It's yep. it's just called Fireplace. The mm-hmm. Fireplace. Very soothing and relaxing. That's why I'm a very calm person. We had a. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> we had a family Christmas this weekend. Yeah, like that. One of the things they had up on the big screen was like a first person view of a walk down Piccadilly Circus decorated for the holidays nice. in London. There was also like a a German market, all decorated yeah. out for Christmas. Point of view of a person, yeah. and you see them walk all over. The I like just that. Walking. I've got my first Christmas this and you Sunday. Watched that. So. <laughs> I watched that. How was your first Christmas? Nice. It was robust. Nice. A lot of people were there. I'm looking forward to it. Right, WTMJ now with Steve Scafidi is up next.